Yo, 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 when the champagne gets the pouring, Gatsby gets the moving, baby. Steve, what's up? All my people, more champagne, cashmere, and caviar because you with the one and only Gatsby Randolph Ryan from the Hollywood Hills, baby. Let's get into it. Welcome to the School of Hollywood. Hi, I'm Steve Owens, your host. Please take a moment and subscribe to the podcast. Today's lessons in confidence and controlling any room to market yourself. Kobe Gatsby Randolph was able to create a persona of the 1% of stars in Hollywood and blend in with the A-list. He's going to tell us how he did it and how you can do it. Learn his journey now on The School of Hollywood. Congratulations, Colby, on your new movie, Who is Gatsby Randolph? And it really goes into what our lesson is today. That is mirrors and BS in Hollywood. You did a documentary on blending in with the A-list. Tell us how you did it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to teach you how to do it. I'm going to teach you how to get in the door. You know, if you, they, they say it like this, man. I may have been born in Mississippi, but I'm a dime Beverly Hills, baby. And they ain't going to give it to you. You got to take it. I'm going to show you how to take it. I'm going to show you how to turn to what it's supposed to be. So, yes, I am in the place to be with Steve. And let's get into it, baby. Yeah, so uh, new film. And uh, I mean, I wanted to make a film. This is how I got the idea. You know, one day I decided... Well, this actually started 15 years ago. So let me just give you a little bit of the backstory of how we, how the origin of this crazy idea came up. I was in class in 10th grade 15 years ago. And well, it was about 17 years ago now. And this is probably like 2003. And I told, uh, at the time I wanted to be in hip hop. And I was like, you know, I was looking at, the people who I admired, whether that be a Puff or Jay-Z or Russell Simmons. And I was like, I didn't think that it was that hard to do what they were doing. I was like, you know, it seemed at the time like P. Diddy was on fire. He had already sold millions of records, but now he was doing these all white parties in the South of France. And he was like hanging out with uh, everyone from Kevin Costner to Sheer to Leonardo DiCaprio. And his ability to merge this gap between hip hop, which was uh, for so long considered this urban gangster thing with mainstream pop culture, his ability to do that, really using his uh, social capabilities to pull people together through a party and display that on the world stage, I think that like catapulted everything else he did to major superstardom. From there, he got into liquor. From there, he got into, you know, a fashion. From there, he got into fragrances. And I remember uh, telling my friend, I was like, yo, I think I can do that. And everyone in class laughed at me. They thought I was plumb, dumb, crazy. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? This people have millions of dollars. And I was like, but, but if you think about it, really what these guys are doing are, getting themes and ideals from high society and then they're introducing them to impoverished communities so and what i mean by that is like if you think about anything that at that time that p diddy was talking about or jay-z were talking about these things have been around forever but when they touched it and put the hip-hop flair to it and introduced it to the hip-hop market it just catapulted them and I thought that was like the basic, that was like my first initial basic idea of, I thought like I was a fly dude. I thought I was cultured. I thought at a young age, you know, I was going to thrift stores, grabbing Brioni suits, taking them to my tailor, getting them tailored. So like I had a little bit of style and I was like, man, if I, if I could just, you know, display this level of taste to the world, 
I could be the next P Diddy or I could be the next Jay-Z or I could be the next whoever, right? And even though people still thought I was crazy, I said the same logic back then. They were like, um, but what do you do? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, are, what is going to be your talent? You know what I mean? That's going to give you the platform because everything you're talking about, that is a byproduct of just the relevance of a talent or whatever. And at the time, this is, you know, pre-influencer um, days where anyone can have a platform to voice their opinions or, or lifestyle. So the only really people who had platforms were like, sports players, as you know, athletes and actors and stuff like that. So I didn't even really know what the talent was going to be, but I was like, you know, I'm a social person. Let me just start with throwing parties. So then I got into nightlife and like at, um, like when I was like 15, 16 years old, I would throw a high school party and 2000 people would show up, you know, when I snapped my finger, spring break, Christmas break, whenever, you know, high school kids party, I would put like 2000 people in a nightclub. And then, um, from there, uh, I started DJing. And then I started DJing. When I started DJing, I went to, I didn't even think I was gonna go to college at first. So like the first thing that brought me to Hollywood, this is a true story, I'm telling you, you're getting like one of like, and I mentioned this in the in the movie, but I don't, I'm gonna give you the real behind the velvet rope, you know, story right. right here on what happened. All right, looking forward, let's go. <laughs> So, like I said, now that I gave you that context, you you understand that 15 years old, my mindset. Now I'm thinking I'm gonna be the next, you know, big hip hop mogul. And I was a senior in high school. My parents are like, "Yo, you haven't filled out any college applications. Like, what are you doing with yourself?" You know. And I was like, "Well, I don't really plan on going to college." And they were like, "What?" And my parents practice medicine, so they were like, "What the." are you talking about you're going to college you know what I mean and I'm like well if I put 2,000 people in a, in a in a party charging 20 bucks you know that's more than what a teacher makes you know so well, that's more what like the people around me make and I'm in Memphis Tennessee you know what I mean I'm not in New York I'm not in LA I'm in Memphis Tennessee so uh, I was just doing the math and it was like well we're gonna cut you off bottom line is if you want to do be a hip-hop mogul you can do that but we're gonna cut you off you know when you graduate high school and I told my parents I said look it's cool if you're gonna cut me off, but you can't cut me off without giving me an opportunity to succeed. They're like, what are you talking about? I said, well, I need to go to New York or LA for one weekend to figure this situation out. And in my mind, I thought, you know, uh, I was just gonna like come, I was gonna run into like Rick Rubin or Jimmy Iovine and then they was gonna see how driven I was and gonna be like, yo, we're just gonna take you in and you don't have to go back to school. That's what I thought, right? So mm -hmm. yeah. I just knew, I knew shit wasn't gonna happen if I stayed in Tennessee. I was like, I got to get to LA or New York. And mind you, it's like a month before I graduated high school. So on senior skip day, I was like, man, I'm going to LA. And I had 300 bucks in my pocket and literally uh, a Brioni suit that I got from a thrift store. You know, you'll be surprised what you can find at a thrift store in a rich neighborhood. You know what I mean? I, I kept going to this one thrift store because I guess it was like an old rich guy in Memphis, Tennessee who kept, who must have died and his, his widow just took all the suits there. So I kept seeing all these suits my size. And so I would go to the thrift store and then I would go get the suit tailored to my size. So now, boom, it's Friday, see a skip day. I have 300 bucks in my pocket. I have a Brioni suit on and I go to the airport and I buy a ticket to go to Los Angeles. Right. And I and I have a suitcase with some more stuff, but I, I'm flying to LA. I literally don't know what I'm going to do. And so I'm going to LA. And but what I did know that it was an award show this weekend. It was the same because I'm always was like on Google, you know, typing in keywords. Mm -hmm. And I found out that it was 
the NAACP Image Awards going on this weekend. I still really didn't have any connections. Um, so on the plane, I'm hearing a conversation behind me. I'm ear hustling. And I, you know, and when you're going from somewhere like Memphis to LA, that's not a popular flight. So most people on that flight are going for a reason. So basically I'm ear hustling, right? And I'm ear hustling on this um, flight to LA and some executives from FedEx were talking about the award show. They were on the way to the award show. Now FedEx is a major sponsor for the NAACP Image Awards. So that's where they're talking about it. And these executives were talking and when we were getting our, our stuff and baggage claim, I, I went up to one of the executives and I was like, hey, I think we're out here for the same reason. Are you going to the award show? They're like, yeah, we're, we're headed to the nominees party right now. Are you going? I was like, yeah, I'm going too. And then I said, you know, the nominees party, my publicist was on another flight and it's delayed. Can you give me the information? So they give me the information. It's like, oh, no, all you need to do is just go to this address uh, and, you know, we'll see you there. I get a limousine, right? And this mm -hmm. is back when they had limousines. I pay like, you know, a hundred bucks for a limousine. Maybe it was even 50 bucks for a limousine to take me to Pacific Design Center where this party was. Now, because I'm so young, I'm 18 years old and I'm and like, I always sort of look mature and I like dress pretty well. And when I get out, everyone assumes that I must be just a kid actor because at the time it was like me and maybe Michael B. Jordan or Ky Kyler Pratt, but it wasn't really a lot of youth actors there. And this lady was like, um, who was working the red carpet was like, hey, you know, is your publicist with you or your manager? And I'm like, I'm sorry, ma'am. They got, th their flight got delayed. I'm here by myself, first time in LA. And she was like, oh, we have to get you to the carpet right now. Let me take your bags. We're going to put your bags away and get you to the red carpet. And then from that moment, I realized, yo, they think I'm one of them. And then so, <laughs> so like literally, I'm on the red carpet, 18 years old. People are like, yo, I love your show. Like, can I have a picture with my daughter? And then it turns into a whirlwind of events. So literally... That day, I get cool with the president of the NAACP. He invites me to his house, and I hang out with them. So the next day, I'm at the nominees brunch. I'm at the award show. I'm backstage. They give me swag bags. And so I start making connections. When I have to get back on a flight, right, I get back on a flight, and I come back to Memphis, Tennessee, because I got to go back to school. I got to be in high school on Monday. So I'm <laughs> sitting in <laughs> So look, I'm sitting in English class, right? So when I'm sitting in English class, the principal calls me to the office because he was calling all the seniors who skipped school Friday. School teacher is just like, hey, you know, uh, we're going to get your parents on the phone calling your mom. And I was like, you can call my mom, you can call my dad, you can call Holly Berry. <laughs> like, she's off me. Like, I was at the award show. And I just remember sitting in class, I had like all these agents and managers calling me like, yo, can I come in for screen tests? Like, I remember, I, I vividly remember having all these managers like, yo, can you come in for a screen test? And I'm sitting in class like, yo, how am I going to get back to Hollywood? Mind you, I couldn't communicate with my parents because it was it was no social media. Like this was something that was a truth to me, but to them they were like, yo, this kid's, in I would sound crazy, right? So that's when I first mm -hmm. knew that Hollywood is where I belonged. And I was starting to get a sense of sort of, you know, your perception was your reality. And then I spent the last 10 years, I tried everything to get back to Hollywood, which, which you know, the first 
you know, uh, 15 minutes of the film, I sort of discussed that, you know, I, I tried every attempt to get back to Hollywood, which eventually led me into a uh, uh, managing artist and that brought me here. But yeah, so that was, that was the original origin of how all this sort of began. So Kobe, in the movie, you have the Oscar, which is obviously not yours. Where did you get it? And how were you able to fool so many people at the party, including the BBC and Good Morning America? Well, you know what? You know what? It's like um, I became my perception. That's the, that's the, it sounds funny, right? You got to be somebody, right? And if right. you're a nobody, you're not allowed in. Well, how does a nobody that become a somebody if it's necessary for you to be in the room to make any of these things, any of these things possible? So it's almost like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? So understanding that a person has to just decide what they're going to be in life, period. And I don't think that there's a validating point that gives you the confidence to say, okay, now I'm officially anything. It's to me, it's all mental. And the world is reflecting off of how you view yourself. So the world will become your mirror if you actually believe it. So when you ask me a question like, okay, how was I able, you know, Good Morning America and BBC and how these people thought I won an Oscar? Well, it was because I had actually become like, at first, Gatsby Randolph was just an idea. But these people had seen me so many times. That's another thing that I'm not sure if it's clear in the film to where it wasn't like a Borat situation where one day I decide, hey, let's just go to Vanity Fair and I'm going to take this Oscar with me. Mm -hmm. Two years leading up to that, because the film covers me for two years, a, a two year, my first two years in L.A. On my second day in L.A., when I was like, you know, homeless and didn't know what to do. The first event I went to uh, was at the Beverly Hilton and I was walking in and literally I hear someone say, um, son, help me. Can you help me real quick? And I turn around and it's Sidney Poitier and he's about to fall over. Well, I assist him. I'll walk him in and he's like, man, you're so helpful. Where are you sitting at? Now this is at some big like charity gala, right? Mm -hmm. And my second day in LA, and at first I'm just going because I'm hungry. I, I just like, it's either go to the 99 cent menu at Wendy's or go eat caviar all night at the, at the <laughs> Beverly Hilton. So I'm just going because I'm hungry, right? Yeah. And when Sidney Portier is like, hey, where are you sitting? I don't, I ain't, I ain't sitting nowhere, <laughs> you know, obviously. And uh, he was, I'll say, well, I'm sitting over there. He's like, no, no, come over to my table. And I'm going to introduce you to my friends. I'll walk with him to his table. He introduces me to Oprah Winfrey and Gail King. Wow. And so I just sit down. <laughs> so, so like from that moment there for the next two years, I literally was like, yo, I'm going to be a young black aristocrat because mind you, I was in hip hop at the time, but I, I realized that in high society, a lot of these ideals weren't relatable. Like none of these people want to go to the nightclub. None of these people want to go, you know, do any of the things from which my background um, promoted, but they were into art. They were into, you know, horses and equestrians. They were into, you know, uh, yachting. So I just became engulfed in that world. So my conversation was always relevant and my appearance was relevant. So it went from literally day two to like, you know, I was at Sean Penn's house. Then I would be at you know, before uh, Weinstein's, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
Troubles. Um, yeah, before he, before all of the, the best of him. I mean, I'll be at like at his like Oscar dinner or, or his Golden Globe dinner. So like, I was so many places that by the time we make it to Vanity Fair, right? Mm-hmm. The people knew me. So it was so like when I walked in, it was like. 200 cameras who are already saying Gatsby. They already knew Gatsby because here comes Tom Ford. Tom Ford is saying, congratulations, Gatsby. And Vince Vaughn is saying, congratulations, Gatsby. And mind you, last the night before, they, they had already seen me at Ari Emanuel's house. That's some of the stuff that people don't really catch in the film. I had become this person on the scene before that came. So, but what they didn't know was, well, how did you get here? So they were trying to put one and two together in their heads of why do we always see him everywhere on the front row? So when they see me with the Oscar, their subconscious said, oh, you're a producer. Of course, that's where we know you from, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so like when Reese, listen, true story. Reese Weatherspoon, she, she was in the film, right? Reese, Reese was like, uh, um, uh, Congratulations, you're the best, right? And I'm, I'm gonna get back to this story, uh, uh, to even go in a little bit more detail. But that night, this is a true story. I literally remember uh, when um, I saw Jennifer Aniston, and she was whispering, like her and Reese were talking, like, "Yo, who is who is this guy? Who is this guy?" And Reese was like, "Yo, this is Gatsby." And um, maybe two months, because we had already got cool. Me and Reese had already got cool, been many charity events, party together, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So she was already familiar with me. But I remember two months prior to that Vanity Fair night, uh, I introduced her to Bill Clinton. So I was at this charity event with Sean Penn, and Bill Clinton walked in the room. And um, I was always trying to find angles to make myself relevant in the room. Mm -hmm. And I saw I saw Reese Witherspoon, and um, and she was like, "Hey, how's it going?" I said, "Look, uh, Reese, on a on a side note." a really, really good friend of the family is dying to come over here and speak to you. He's just a little shy. Can I introduce you? And, and she was like, well, who? I said, well, have you ever met President Clinton? And she was like, the president? I was like, yeah. And he walked in. So then I went up to Bill Clinton. I was like, yo, Bill, uh, you know, uh, Dr. John Montgomery. Now, I knew Bill Clinton knew my grandfather. Now, back to since we're in school right now, let me give you a lesson. One of the rules is you got to find relevancy in a conversation within the first 10 seconds because people categorize you in the first 10 seconds. Yep. So once I saw Bill Clinton, I'm always looking at six degrees of separation. I knew that my grandfather, who was like a civil rights leader um, uh, back you know, long time ago, helped Bill Clinton get become governor of Arkansas. So I knew that he would know who my grandfather was. So I went up to Bill Clinton and I just said, Dr. John Montgomery, who's my grandfather. He turns around and says, who said that? I said, I did. I said, he said, you know him? I said, that's my grandfather. He said, well, your grandfather was very instrumental in, you know, in, in what I've done. I said, thank you. And um, on a side note, I have a friend of who's dying to come over here and say something to you. I can have, you know, a little bit of your time. He says, who is it? I said, have you ever met Reese Witherspoon? And he was like, oh, my wife loves Reese. One minute. Hey, Reese, come here. Come meet my Uncle Bill. Uncle Bill, meet Reese. And then the paparazzi <laughs> goes crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fast forward, right? Fast forward, <laughs> 60 days later, now, because that was Golden Globes. Now we have Vanity Fair 60 days later, right, roughly. Mm -hmm. And Reese sees me now with the Oscar, okay? And Jennifer Aniston sees me. And she whispers over and says uh, to Jennifer, 
after she says, who is this guy? Oh, you don't know Gatsby? Everyone knows Gatsby. He even introduced me to the president once. Okay? So that's how these things were like manifesting into reality. And it was sort of that thing over and over and over again. So the Oscar was just really like the cherry on top. Like no one was really surprised when they saw me with the Oscar because they had been seeing me so many places. So to, to them, it was like the justification of why we keep seeing you, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's sort of how that worked. So how was it meeting Beyonce as she stole the Oscar out of your hand? Oh man, that's when I thought my life was over. That's the first time my heart dropped because, mind you, and like I said, I don't want to get too many spoilers, but um, for people, you know, who, who listen to the podcast, the Oscar is from 1994, right? And to answer your first question was the Oscar was, uh, I knew a friend. Now, mind you, I think, I see, just so we can just do, do it right, I think we have to set the scene of why I need an Oscar. Okay. okay. Why, why I need an Oscar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's set the scene. Okay. Now that I'm out here and I'm Gatsby Randolph, young black aristocrat, more champagne, cashmere, and caviar, the whole nine yards, and everyone's buying it, right? I get hit with a business proposition to finally make my dream come true and start this record label. I'm trying to raise $5 million. And the people who I'm getting the money from, they have it. These people are very, very wealthy. They have the money and want to do it. But they're 23 and 24 years old, very naive, and they just want to be in the industry. So they are like, yo, we want to do the deal with you, but we also want to be in business with Jay-Z. Okay? Mm -hmm. So they want to be in business with Jay-Z, and they're relying on their god brother, who they haven't seen in 10 years, to make it happen. Because they've just been following me on Instagram. <laughs> now, mind you, I have never met Jay-Z at this moment. At this very moment, I had never met Jay-Z. So my thing is, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I figured I better find Jay-Z before he finds me. Okay? So, going, and I don't want to spoil too much of the movie, but going yeah. down that roller coaster ride of events to find Jay-Z and to at least, you know, put him under some type of very, you know, uh, a faint allurement of being familiar with me, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it leads me to, it's Oscar night, and these same people want to go to Vanity Fair, Oscar party. Now, Steve, you can let the people know how hard this party is to get into. You know oh, what I'm saying? It, it's, it's tough. It, it is, it's the toughest party of the entire year. I think it's easier to get into the Oscars than it is to the Vanity Fair party. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to tell people, this is like the hardest thing in the world to get into, right? So, um, I was just figuring to myself, okay, who has an Oscar? That's what I was thinking to myself. Like, who, have I ever seen an Oscar in real life? And I did. A friend of mine, mind you, because I'm a socialite at this point, I'm hosting a lot of brunches. I've become a pillar in the community. A friend of mine was married to a guy who had won a few Oscars. And I remember seeing an Oscar at their house. Now, this is where God comes in, because I could not, like, I, every time I say this, it, it's, it's crazy to me how this happened. Mm -hmm. I literally call her, and I'm like, yo, um, do you, what are you doing tonight? She's like, oh, it's Oscars. I was thinking about getting out. I tell her, do you want to go to Vanity Fair's Oscar party? She says, oh, I would love to go. I said, well, you know you can go if you want to, because your husband has a lifetime membership to the party. And she's like, what do you mean? Well, he's won an Oscar. I said, anyone who's ever won an Oscar 
they have a lifetime membership. They just got to show up at the Oscar. And so she was like, well, you know, he may not want to go because, you know, he's 75 years old. He may not feel like getting out. Mm -hmm. So I was like, it doesn't worry. As long as you have the Oscar, you're good. So she comes and she's like, well, I trust you with it. I want to go, but, you know, I'll just come drop the Oscar off with you and then you work it all out and just let me know where to be. So she comes and drops a real Oscar off at my house on Oscar night. Mm -hmm. So when that happens, that's probably like the craziest detail to make all these things. Because if, if that doesn't happen, I'm fucked, right? Yeah, if that, exactly. <laughs> if, there, if she says anything besides yes, I'm, this, this, is, this is not even a story. I'm not even doing this interview with you right now. She comes and she drops the Oscar off at my house. No, now I got the Oscar, right? And I got the Oscar. And I'm hoping, mind you, a black cast, someone black has to win. You know what I'm saying? Because this is the time of Oscar so white. So if someone black doesn't win, I'm still fucked. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so so um, I'm watching the Oscars and, and, and Selma won. John Legend and Common, they won for, uh, for best song. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, man, they like they might not even know who these people are. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, they like, I'm like, all they looking at, they don't see some black people who won an Oscar. They don't even know who these people are. So I, I'm like, yo, but it's not gonna work if I only have, um, you know, two people, because who celebrates winning an accolade like the Oscar with two people? I need ten people. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yo, let me call 10 people who I know have a nice tuxedo and have some sense. And, you know, you need a variety of people, too. You can't have 10, 21-year-olds. Like, I need someone who's 50. I need someone who's 35. I need someone who's 60. You know, I need, I need, we need to look like Ocean's Eleven. We got an Ocean's Eleven this thing. And, and then we go to the Oscars, right? So by the time, to answer your question, I'm getting there and I finally get past the red carpet and everyone's saying congratulations. I mean, to be honest with you, Steve, I thought I won the Oscar that night. I had totally transformed into an Oscar winner. So when I'm doing, when BBC is interviewing me, because first it was Good Morning America. Good Morning America was like, Gatsby, let's get a word. And we start talking. And then BBC was like, hey, can we come over here and say some comments too? And I'm like, yo, I'm an Oscar winner. Like, I'm, like at this point, I am an Oscar winner, <laughs> right? Because you got to think, when I went to the party, right, and I'm seeing everyone say hi to me, what's your guy's name uh, uh, who used to, from Vanity Fair? Who used to, Graydon Carter, yeah. right? Graydon Carter and his wife, they're hugging me saying congratulations. And it's their party. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so at this point, in my mind, I never thought about the police saying, son, come with us. It's, it, you know, the gig. Yeah. I never thought about that because everyone is saying congratulations. So when Beyonce sees me, mind you, as you know, because you watched the movie, yeah, yeah. we had several other encounters. She's more like, why didn't you let us know? Like, what's up? Like, like what? For real? And she just, she's like, she just loses it. Congratulations. She just starts going crazy. And my, I don't want to let her get too close because it is from 1994. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I'll let you know, see, I already had a, I already made up in my mind what I was going to say if she tried to bust me out or, you know, I already had my, you know, perfect, you know, uh, response. But, you know, as she's excited, as she should be, uh, to congratulate young black dude who won an Oscar, 
I don't want to let it get too close. So I'm sort of being super nonchalant. And she was like, why are you acting like this? She was like, boy, if you don't give me this Oscar, and she snatched, she yanks it out of my hand, right? Oh, it's his classic. <laughs> yo, when she yanks this Oscar out of my hand, literally time stood still. But I, and, and this was like the, the biggest poker hand I had to play. Because I can't <laughs> leave her with my Oscar. I won the Oscar. <laughs> like, what am I do, leave? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I try to use like my Jedi mind trick. I try to use everything to to and the paparazzi was going. So she looks at it, she kisses it, and it's either one or two things. Either she didn't read it or she is a real gangster. Like, like she is really, you know, my my gangster guardian angel. Because either she knew and was like, yo, this dude has some serious balls. And, <laughs> and, and kissed it. Because she just kissed it, gave it back, and said, congratulations. You know what I'm saying? So, or or the grace of God, she didn't even read it. She just, I just remember kissing and she gave it back and like, oh my gosh, congratulations, so proud. And we wound, we wound up just going to Guy with Sherry's house and partying the rest of the night. And, um, but yeah, that's that's sort of the feelings that I, that, that, that I was going through when it, when it happened. Oh, this is, your story has been great today. And it's, it's, you know, it belongs on the big screen so everybody can see it and get from contender to actual nomination and and then to the Oscar and then, you will be invited to the real party. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing. Well, you you let me know, Steve. You've seen the movie. You let me know. My thing is, you know, I know there's not a, a, a best actor category for documentary, but I do want people to understand what you're seeing is real. This is something that really happened, shot in real time, and they believed it. Like, how is how does that not get best actor? Like, you believed it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, absolutely. People, you know what I'm saying? The people who make the decision in real life actually believe it. You know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, but but you know, I'm just trying to inspire some people with a with a very ironic, comical story that I just think a lot of people in Hollywood can relate to. Well, that's exactly what School of Hollywood is 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 to inspire people to follow their dreams. Uh, I mean, even after I watched it, I called uh, my friend Lisa at the uh, uh, the Memphis uh, tourism business to tell him, say, hey, you need to start promoting my boy here. <laughs> He's got a movie coming out. Um, and I said, by the way, send me some of the Augustus fried chicken. Uh, oh, yeah. I love <laughs> How you talking my language? Seriously, it, uh, it's a it's a fun film that I really enjoyed watching. And and I hope people get the opportunity to see it. And and uh, you get, you know, get another project off the ground. 100 percent. And, you know, and, you know, the funny thing is, uh, too, is making I'm not sure if you caught this. It is for all my like my film critics out there. I couldn't shoot a lot of this in real time. I had to go back and reenact what actually happened. So when you see the scene with me and Jay-Z in a cigar, that took me two years to shoot. I didn't shoot that in real time. Like that happened in real life. And then mm -hmm. I had to go find him again and give him another cigar and hopefully get it on tape this time. So when I had the idea to make the movie and we wrote the script and, and you know, I just I had never written a script, but I read Save the Cat and some other books and I just wrote what happened to me in real life. And I'm like, yo, I want to go back and we had a, we understood that in order to do this, we were going to have to go back and just relive all these events. But we couldn't make the people respond how we needed them to respond. Like, I can't make Reese Witherspoon or Jay-Z or, or Cedric the Entertainer or George Lopez. I can't make any of these people do what I need them to do. And so it was really the power of just execution and just going after it. And then things started to just fall in place. So that's, that's like really what I want to let people know. 
it's really what makes your dreams come true is just the power of of, of your execution. You know what I mean? And you just going out and doing it and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Well, I appreciate you being on the School of Hollywood today. And it's been fun talking to you and, and the movie's even funnier, so. Man, I appreciate that, man, Steve. And uh, School of Hollywood has been great. You know, let's keep more champagne, cashmere, caviar, all 2021, all positive vibes. And we're going to keep the party going, baby. Thank you for listening to the School of Hollywood. Please follow us on Instagram at School of Hollywood and subscribe so you can hear our next episode. I'm Steve Owens. Until next time, continue to follow your dreams and look to the stars for your success.